Welcome in to the Semi-Pro Fantasy Show's second episode. I'm Aaron Heisen with my co-host, Will Cozine, and today we are going to cover the rookies, bring up some news, and play a fun little mini-game. Let's get right into the latest news. So, in news around the NFL, uh, former Panthers QB and former NFL MVP Cam Newton signed an incentive-laden deal with the New England Patriots. Um, Will, what are your takes on this? This is super exciting. I think Cam Newton is going to be awesome for the Patriots. We know he's a great rusher, which provides a great floor for fantasy. And I think he is going to help the run game too because it's an extra person in the box, or an extra person in that the defense has to account for. And I'm super excited for what he's going to do. So are you guaranteeing that he is a starter over Jarrett Sidham, who's been there for the whole offseason? I mean, I think he has to be. He's just a way better player at this point. We don't really know what Stidham is, but uh, I know Chris Sims ranked Cam Newton as his number 10 quarterback. That's a bit ambitious, but he's still a fantastic player. He's a former MVP, and the last time we saw him healthy, he was leading the Panthers to a 6-2 and record, and that offense was humming, and they were considered a, a favorite for a first-round bye. I think we can't forget that. He's a really good player. Yeah, I agree. I think Cam will start, and I think we have to start it out like he's starting all 16 games. So what do you think that means for the rest of the Patriots' offense, for uh, Sonny Michel, James White, Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, and the other players? I really don't like any of their pass catchers. I think uh, Mohamed Sanu, Edelman, and Nikhil Harry aren't great options. Edelman's probably the best out of the three because he is a reception monster. But I think the run game is really what benefits here. I think Michelle gets a huge bump, at least in my rankings, because Cam Newton, having a guy like Cam Newton, we saw what he did for McCaffrey when he was there. It's just a great marriage, and the run game should be awesome, especially with a great coordinator like Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I think there's only re- one real player that I would trust. I still like James White a lot just because of the um, PPR receiving floor for running backs, and I think the targets are very valuable there. Um, especially with Cam Newton, who knows how to throw the ball to running backs. He, he did it with Christian McCaffrey in years past. I think Sonny Michel has a lot of upside. However, I think it is in the cards that he runs 230 times for 700 yards because he's not a very talented running back. But with that offensive line, Michel does have every opportunity to have a good season. Yeah, I think that's another thing that people are uh, ignoring is that the Patriots' offensive line is greatly improved. Um, it looked... Like, it was a struggle last year with Brady, but there were a lot of injuries. David Andrews missed time. I think the offensive line is getting a lot better. Longtime coordinator or offensive assistant, Dante Skarnecchia, the offensive line guru, is now gone. But I still think that offensive line is going to be great, and Michelle should benefit from that. Yeah, so what do you think a realistic uh, finish for the season for the Patriots would be? I still don't know. Um, the defense has a lot of question marks. They lost a lot this offseason. The secondary is still fantastic, but the linebackers and the defensive line, they lost Danny Shelton, they lost Jamie Collins, they lost Kyle Van Noy. I think I'm probably forgetting someone. So if the defense can perform anywhere near like they did last year, or for the first part of last year at least, this team can make a huge run because Cam should provide a pretty stable offense for that team. Yeah, okay. So let's move on to our next piece of news. Um, Former Patriots receiver and former Pittsburgh receiver Antonio Brown. um, The rumors are are heating up that he might make a return to the NFL. A few of the teams that have been rumored to be linked with Brown are the Seattle Seahawks and Baltimore Ravens. So do you expect him to make a return to the NFL? 
Ugh, this is annoying. I think, uh, personally, I think he's a horrible person. I don't want him to come back. That's the uh, ethical issue. If he does come back, he's obviously a a top fantasy option, and he'll be great wherever he goes. He's a fantastic receiver, and no one's going to deny that. There's a lot of off-the-field issues still. I know he still has a court hearing that he needs to go to, I believe, um, about assaulting a delivery driver. So... Until we, he posted it on Instagram Live, I think, and yeah, it, it was just a whole mess. He thought it was going to incriminate the driver, but it made him look like a total jerk. So he's messed up. So if he ends up coming back, good for him, I guess, and he'll be a good fantasy option. But I don't want him to come back, and realistically, I still think there's a lot of hoops that need to be jumped through in order to get him back in the league. And as of now, I don't think you can draft him at any normal spot and if he does come back he's gonna fly up draft board so yeah so his adp might be um inflated yeah so we'll see it's an ongoing situation yeah okay well that's it for the news for this week um let's move on to a fun little mini game this is a mini game i like to call buy or sell i'm gonna bring up a hypothetic stat um that a player could achieve and will's gonna buy or sell on the chance of it coming true in this upcoming season the first stat is uh, Lions wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Can Kenny Galladay break into the top five fantasy receivers? I think it is reasonable to think that can happen. I don't necessarily expect it, but Galladay is incredibly talented. He is a massive 6'3 frame. He goes up and gets jump balls. We've seen what he can do in the red zone. Last year, he led the league in touchdowns despite the fact that he had David Blau and Jeff Driscoll throwing the ball for the second half of the year. If Matthew Stafford's I couldn't able, even remember Driscoll was there. Yeah, it took me a bit to come up with his name. Uh, I know Matt Stafford was great for eight weeks, and if he plays the whole season, he has a great connection with Galladay, and I think he can have an absolutely monster year this year. Yeah, I also would sell that just because I have Galladay ranked outside the top five in a like league in a end of season finishing. But I think we have to talk about the upside. The ceiling is definitely there for even a top three finish for Galladay um I definitely think he has potential to repeat on his touchdown total and the targets and the target accuracy should increase for sure and also if you're playing any format that's not PPR like a half PPR standard format it only increases Galladay's value value because he doesn't need a whole lot of volume to be relevant because he has high uh average depth of target on his throws yeah another thing is um the Lions could could be good this season, but their defense is very young, so they might be trailing in some games, and that'll help Galladay as like they might have to come back in some uh, games. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's move on to the next one. Aaron Jones, do you think he can surpass the 1,000-yard uh, rushing mark this season? I think he can. I'm going to buy that. I think uh, A.J. Dillon's being a little bit overblown. I don't think he's all that. What I do think A.J. Dillon does is he vultures some touchdowns from Jones, and the touchdowns were already going to decline. So... Even though I think Jones is going to surpass 1,000 yards rushing, the touchdowns are going to come down so much that I don't think he's a value right now, unless he gets an even further bump in the receiving game, which is possible. Yeah, I also have Jones for over 1,000 yards rushing this season. I think he just breaks the mark because he hasn't been able to stay healthy for many 16-game seasons. And while I don't like to project injuries, I definitely don't think Jones will play a full 16-game season this year. I also see a lot of regression in the touchdown area, as you mentioned. So 
I also wouldn't draft Jones in the first two rounds where he's going right now. Yeah. Um, okay. Is that is there anything else you want to talk about, Jones? I think that covers it. Okay. And the third buyer sell metric is quarterback for the Bills, Josh Allen. Does he surpass the top five quarterbacks in fantasy? I don't think he does, but I don't think that makes him a bad pick necessarily. I think his rushing floor makes him a solid contributor weekly. I don't think he's going to have those bad games that you're going to feel bad about. But at the end of the year, when you're looking at the total rankings, I don't think he's going to have those big boom weeks that propel you to the top five, like Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or Mahomes are going to have. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Will. I know You know how much I love Josh Allen yep. as an NFL talent and a fantasy quarterback. The rushing floor is huge, and I think that could take a little dip this season. He also had nine touchdowns um, which all on the, on the ground, so I think that'll take a huge dip. But his schedule starts off so easy. Um, the the Bills' schedule starts against the Jets, the Dolphins, the Rams, the Raiders, the Titans, the Chiefs, and then the Jets again. That's the first half of the season. And that's a very easy schedule for a talented quarterback. The Bills also added Stephon Diggs, and talented receiver John Brown is going to come back, along with Cole Beasley, who's going to help Allen out in the short yardage game. And I know we don't have Diggs projected for a great season, but the truth is he helps out Allen's value. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll be good. I think he'll be super consistent. But at the end of the year, I don't see him jumping into the top five. But even if he finishes a top six quarterback, his consistency can make it so he pays off his ADP. Yeah, currently he's going as the QB9. So we both, I think, have him projected higher than that. So taking him in the eighth or ninth round is great value. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into the main part of the show, the rookie breakdown. I'm excited to see uh, how we view these young guys, Will. Yeah, me too. This is going to be exciting. All right, so the first guy we're going to talk about is the Chiefs' uh, newly acquired running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Edwards-Hilaire was the um, 32nd pick in the first round, and he was the first running back off the board in the NFL draft. What do you think about him? Well, I had him as my top-ranked running back going into the draft, which uh, a lot of analysts did not. But I think he is a fantastically talented player. Uh, I know Andy Reid said he reminded him of Brian Westbrook, former Eagles running back. That's a huge compliment. So I think Hilaire is going to become the starter at some point this year. The question is when, and that question of when determines when he should be drafted because even if he becomes the RB1, if it comes after week eight and you're spending that early pick on him, you could be two and six going into that week eight, and it's not going to matter how he does the rest of the season. So the earlier he becomes a starter, the better. It's hard to know when, but the talent is certainly there for Edwards Lair. Yeah, I agree. Um, Williams, I mean, Andy Reid has said that it's Damian Williams' job to lose. And all, we know how good Edwards Slayer is, but the truth is this could be a running back by committee um, from day one, and you don't want to draft a running back by committee at the back of the second round. Yeah, it almost reminds me of the Niners last year where you had C.J. Mostert, so it, he had some amazing games. But then you had some games where Tevin Coleman would get all the carries and Mostert wouldn't do anything, and there was no way to know who was going to get those targets beforehand. And so you end up starting the wrong guy, and it really hurts your team. So I don't know if that's necessarily the case in Kansas City, but that's a reasonable uh, outcome. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to the next guy, DeAndre Swift from the Detroit Lions. Swift was drafted um, very early on in the second round of the NFL draft. And from my perspective, I think it starts off as a running back by committee in Detroit. Carryon Johnson is still very talented while he hasn't been able to stay on the field much due to injury, I still think he has a huge impact at early parts of the season for the Lions. 
Yeah, this whether to take DeAndre Swift in the, your fantasy drafts really depends on how uh, you view Carryon Johnson. Because if you think Carryon Johnson is not washed up and he's still a good player, I don't think Swift is going to assume the full workload. But if Johnson is kind of washed up and that's why they took DeAndre Swift, if he emerges as a top running back, there could be a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards in store for DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I agree. I kind of view Swift as more of a late season league winner because the Lions um, or the Lions will start off as a running back by committee, in my opinion. And because they invested so much capital in Swift with a second round pick, I think he will emerge as a starter towards the end of the season. And he does have a three down skill set. So if you are able to, if you risk a six round pick on Swift and you're able to stay afloat for the first half of the season, he could provide a huge lift towards the end and towards the playoff weeks for sure. Yeah, and he can also be a guy where you don't draft him and you target him in a trade as a buy-low candidate later on if he ends up starting in a committee because you know that whoever's going to have him might struggle and they're going to want to move off him to try to stay afloat, and that's when you can pounce. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Miles Sanders actually from last season. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah. Uh, you could target him after fifth or sixth week because I we both think that it's going to be a committee, and then you'll have his value for the rest of the the week, uh, the rest of the year. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to our third guy, Jonathan Taylor from the Indianapolis Colts. He was also selected uh very highly in the second round. I know you love Taylor. Well, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean where he's going right now, I think I'm gonna end up with Taylor in every single mock draft and draft that I do, because I see him as taking over the entire workload or almost all the workload in Indianapolis I don't see Marlon Mack as a huge threat and it's not a diss to Marlon Mack I just think Taylor is so talented as a running back that he's gonna give Frank Reich no choice but to just throw him in there because he's so good um I think Naheem Hines is a good receiver but there's room for Hines to get his five targets a game in the passing game and also for Taylor to get his 19 carries and also a few targets too yeah, I mean, the first thing that I looked at was how Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, was going to view this because he's such a good offensive mind, and I want his best running back, especially with that amazing offensive line. Um, and he's said many times that Marlon Mack has a role and that Naheem Hines should see a bunch of targets in the passing game, but he's also said that Taylor has a huge role and he used a second-round draft pick on him. So I don't really know what he's trying to project for this season because there's not 50 50- uh, carries to go around and somehow he thinks that there are but um I think Taylor has a lot of upside at first I did not because I thought this was a committee but Will and Will convinced me that Taylor could be really good this season especially going in the fourth fourth or fifth round currently in drafts is that where he's going yeah yeah and Taylor could be a league winner he has the talent of a lot of the most elite backs in the league right now and he's a rookie and he's playing behind probably the best league, uh, the line in the league. Yep. So Taylor could have a huge season. Yeah, I think it almost reminds me also of the Sanders situation last year where people were hesitant to draft Sanders because they thought the Eagles would be a committee. They thought Jordan Howard have his role. And while I think Mack is a better runner than Jordan Howard, I think that at some point this year, Taylor's talent is going to win out and he's going to win a lot of people their leagues. Yeah, the other thing is I didn't buy into the like 17 to 19 carry range like you did right away but after researching it and seeing the workload that taylor had at wisconsin and uh the workload that colts running backs have had in the past i think reich or frank reich will 
lean towards giving Jonathan Taylor 17 to 19 carries a game just because of how talented he is. Yeah, and one other thing to note is that just because the team has a pass catcher in Naheem Hines, it doesn't mean that a guy like Taylor won't get catches because having a guy that can do both things like Taylor can means that the defense won't know what the offense is doing when he's on the field because when Hines is on the field, you almost know the Colts are going to pass and that sort of uh, deception that the Colts can do with Taylor is going to mean he's going to stay on the field more than people think. The other thing is they just brought in Phillip Rivers, who's a running back check down master. I mean, yeah. he sustained Austin Eckler as a top five running backs, basically just off check downs to the running back. And that didn't just happen on third down. That happened on first and second down as well. Yeah. So if Taylor's getting those uh, first and second down snaps and it's a it's a passing play called, even if it's not for Taylor, Rivers is still going to look to check down when the um, rush comes. Absolutely. Okay, so the next guy is Cam Akers for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Akers was also drafted in the second round a few spots after Taylor. And I'm going to start with my Akers take. I really like Cam Akers. I've watched a lot of tape from him at Florida State. And he looks very explosive. He's a very raw talent. And I think that Sean McVay can hone him into a very talented back in today's NFL. Um, The Rams do have a lot of issues with their offense. As we saw last season, their offensive line is not as good as it used to be. And they don't really know which approach they want to take. It They ended the season with two tight ends on the field. They started with only one. So I think if they um, commit to the two tight end uh, setup, it could actually really benefit Akers if he becomes a starter. Because if you have two tight ends on the field, that's an extra blocker for Akers to run behind. Yeah, so Akers is someone that I started off not liking at all in terms of his value. But I've kind of moved in the other direction. I think that he... If he's able to assume the like a uh, even seventy percent of the workload, he has tremendous value. I don't know what the Rams think about D'Angelo Henderson, who they took in the third round last year. Um, so the fact that that those two are a committee means that I've Daryl Henderson, Daryl Henderson, Daryl Henderson. Yeah, D'Angelo Henderson is a little <laughs> bit older, I think. Uh, <laughs> the fact that those two guys are in a committee means I don't know who's going to get the full workload. I think Acres has the edge, but. Henderson is going way, way later in drafts, so I'm actually targeting Henderson more than Akers just because I don't think the difference between the two is as much as some people think. But if Akers is able to assume that workload, he can have tremendous value. And going as the RB28 or so, I think he is a value at that point. Yeah, I agree. I think I would target Henderson more just because he's going very late in drafts. And we've seen in past seasons that McVay does like to use the workhorse model at the running back position. He did it with Todd Gurley. And while none of the, neither of these guys are as talented as Gurley was at the time, I still think that McVay is going to use that model, and whoever is more talented will win out. I personally think Kate Akers is much more talented than Henderson. I mean, Henderson had shots last year at the starting job and never really performed. He kind of lost out to Malcolm Brown at points. The other thing I want to touch on is um, Akers is probably the best pass blocker of the three running backs between uh, Henderson and Brown as well. But from watching his tape, he's kind of inconsistent, and he's a rookie. So I don't know if McVay is going to trust his pass protection skills. What do you think about that? It's something that I don't really know about Akers. I don't know if he's able to protect the passer, but it is very important. We saw that Aaron Jones early in his career did not get the playing time that many people thought he should have because he wasn't able to protect the passer as well as Jamal Williams was. And Jamal Williams is a slow not a good running back he should not have ever been on the field but 
Jones was not good in the passing game, and that's why Williams was forced to see snaps because Aaron Rodgers did not trust Jones to protect him. Yeah, I think the only slip-up with Akers is that he could um, be inconsistent in the pass protection game, and that's huge for the Rams because they love to run play-action sets. So that could keep him off the field, but if he's able to improve on that, then I think Akers could have a huge season. Yeah, and an injury to either Henderson or Akers would drastically improve the value of the other one. So Yeah, it would catapult their value for sure. Okay, um, the next guy is J.K. Dobbins for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. What do you think about Dobbins? He is a fantastic running back for one thing. But if Ingram does not get hurt, Dobbins is going to have likely no value for the entire year, which is risky when you're drafting a player. However, because you're drafting him not even in the top 30 of running backs, you're not asking him to be a starter likely, so you can afford to take him. And if Ingram goes down, Dobbins becomes an RB1, which you can't say about a lot of other handcuffs in the, handcuffs in the league. Um yeah, I think he's definitely one of the most valuable handcuffs um, where he's going right now in drafts because of how um, potent that offense is and how many carries there are to go around. I think Dobbins will get his own um, share of carries, but I don't know if you can trust his standalone value to start as a flex or an RB3 in that area. So I wouldn't necessarily draft him in terms of starting him, but if Ingram does go down, as you were talking about, then Dobbins becomes... Uh, t- uh, running back 12 or sorry a running back one like top 12 running back yeah and I think that you can honestly afford to not draft Dobbins wait a couple weeks and then when Ingram likely does not get hurt in the f- first few weeks owners might be less intrigued about him and you can probably get yeah, him for a lower price him. yeah okay let's move on to AJ Dillon as we talked about a little bit before during our buy sell but how do you view AJ Dillon for the Packers I mostly see him as a detriment to Jones's value. I think Dylan is a big bruising running back. He can probably steal some touchdowns and some short yardage work from Jones. But I don't think there's ever a scenario besides Jones getting hurt where Dylan assumes a big workload. And even if Jones were to get hurt, I don't think Dylan catapults as high as some people might think he would because I don't see him getting any sort of work in the passing game. Do you think that he's the pass protector, though, or what's his role? I don't. I've never seen him in pass protection, to be honest, so I don't know if he can do that. I think they still have Jamal Williams. I'm not totally sure about that. So if they have, if they still have Williams, he can still be a pass protector. Jones has been better in pass protection. He's gotten more work in recent seasons. But I think Dylan is mostly just a short yardage guy, and I still have no idea why the Packers took him in the second or third round. Yeah, it was the back of the second round. It's very confusing to me as why they took him. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the Buccaneers guy, Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, Buccaneers drafted him uh, in the early parts of the third round. I actually like Vaughn's value a lot because um, they brought in Tom Brady, as we all know, this offseason. And um, Vaughn projects to be a good player in the pass protection game, and Brady likes those guys. Uh, he kind of reminds me of James White from the Patriots a lot because he is versatile in the passing game. And guys like that are really valuable, Brady. Yeah, we also know that Bruce Arians likes to use one running back when possible. And I really don't think that he likes Ronald Jones at all. Uh, yeah. Ronald Jones is, they gave him every chance to succeed. The offensive line is not bad. And he just continues to struggle. And I think there's only so many opportunities they can give him. I think Vaughn's going to have the first crack at the role which means that he's a tremendous value where he's going in drafts. And I think that 
he has a great chance to perform well, and his receiving floor makes him a very valuable asset as well. Yeah, Vaughn's upside is huge. The one thing I will say is we saw it with Ronald Jones, as you mentioned, his past few seasons, that Arian doesn't really trust young guys. Yeah. I think that could be different with Vaughn, though, because of his pass protection um, abilities, and that was the real issue with Ronald Jones. So Keyshawn Vaughn could break that trend of uh, rookie running backs. So I actually do like his value a lot. Yeah, me too. Okay, the last running back we're going to touch on is Zach Moss uh, for the, the Buffalo Bills. How do you view Moss? So I watched a lot of Utah football last year, so I know Moss is a very, very good player. I don't know if he ever is relevant unless Devin Singletary gets hurt, and we have no evidence to suggest that Devin Singletary is injury-prone. I think that his value is mostly going to come at the expense of Devin Singletary, so maybe drafting him, I think, makes Singletary a little less valuable. But I think aside from receiving goal line work, which Singletary with his size could struggle in, I don't really see Moss having a major impact for the Bills. Yeah, I mean, the Bills did have a little bit of a running back by committee last season, but I think Singletary should be the lead running back, and I think he'll be very valuable at his current ADP. I mean, he's going in the fourth round. I think that the um, Bills will have a good offense, and if you get Singletary in a good offense, they also have a very good defense. So they'll rely on the rushing game a lot. So I think Singletary will have a good season. And if he does get hurt, then Moss will be uh, bumped up too. Yeah, I think that Singletary, he's going to need to be better next year than he was this past year because they had Frank Gore who got way too many carries last year. I think he actually got more carries than Singletary, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, obviously, Singletary, yeah, he did. Singletary had higher value touches and also got more in the passing game. but Well, he was also injured for a few weeks. That is also true. But I think that... Yeah, but Gore I, did get more carries. I think that Zach Moss is better than Frank Gore right now. I love Frank Gore, but he's 38 years old, or however old he is. I think Zach Moss is better than Frank Gore. So if Singletary is going to maintain his value or get more touches or more volume, he's going to have to be better, which is certainly possible because he's a young guy who's improving. Yeah. Okay, that's it for the running backs. Let's move on to the rookie wide receivers. So the first guy is Henry Ruggs, who was drafted pretty early on by the Oakland Raiders, or I guess the Las Vegas Raiders, my bad. How do you view Henry Ruggs? So before we start with the receivers, I think a disclaimer is that none of these receivers are going before wide receiver 47. So you're not looking for any of these guys as safe bets. It's like their floor doesn't really matter. You're looking at their ceiling. Uh, not just on a season-wide basis, but on a weekly basis. And to start with Ruggs, Ruggs has immense weekly ceiling in any week. If you can find the right matchups where he's going against a slower corner, he can provide immense value. I don't think that means you really need to draft him. He could just be a waiver pick in certain weeks. But Henry Ruggs is an absolute blazer, and against in a good matchup, he is a very valuable asset. I just want to ask you one question. Last season was pretty anomalous for rookie receivers as they were a lot of good values. We had Terry McLaurin, um, A.J. Brown. I might be missing one or two of them. Uh, D.K. Metcalf, I think. So could there be upside with any of these guys to break out like those guys did or not really? Well, one thing to note about last year is that McLaurin and A.J. Brown and uh, Debo Samuel and not DK Metcalf, but those three uh, all emerged as the top player, the top target in their offense. Uh, I know 
Tyler Lockett was still a top target in Seattle, but Russell Wilson is good enough to sustain two relevant receivers. So when I'm looking at this year's uh, first-round receivers, do I see any of them becoming the top target on their offense? And I really, for any of them, I don't see that as a possibility. So I don't... I don't think this year is going to have the same level of rookie production as last year did. And I think some of these guys, as we get closer to drafts, might get overdrafted based on what happened last year. Yeah, I mean, I think Ruggs will have a very... I, I don't think his end-of-season um, finish will be very good, but he will help you on a week-to-week basis if you are able to project when he's going to have a huge week because he's a screen pass that he could take to the house any single play. And it's hard to predict that, and I feel like it's kind of like Amari Cooper a few years ago with the Raiders, because you couldn't really predict when he was going to have a breakout game. So I don't know how much you can trust Ruggs. I don't know if I would draft him where he's going right now, except for there is a huge ceiling, but it's kind of an enigma to me. Yeah, I also think that if you're playing season long, uh, Ruggs is not really that valuable, but in daily fantasy, if you find the right matchups, he can be... Uh, an absolute money winner yeah for sure okay the next guy is jerry judy for the broncos i think judy has the most potential as a real uh life nfl receiver just because he's huge his build is great and he's a great route runner um he's playing in a good offense not it's more it projects to be more of a rushing offense this season after they added melvin gordon uh in denver but he's going to develop with his quarterback, Drew Locke, and with his receiver pair, Cortland Sutton. And I think he provides a great compliment on the outside to Sutton. Yeah, I, I love Judy as a player. I think he's going to be fantastic for the Broncos, especially in future years. But for this year, his fantasy value, I just don't see it ever working out for Judy as a regular contributor. Just because they have Cortland Sutton, who is the number one guy in the offense. And they also have emerging tight end Noah Fant. And they're going to be a run-heavy offense with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. So I don't think you can ever project Jerry Judy to have consistent value on a weekly basis, barring a major injury to Cortland Sutton. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's move on to CeeDee Lamb for the Cowboys. I was very shocked when they drafted him 17th overall. I feel like it was more of a shot at their division rivals, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, because the Eagles were looking for a receiver. Yeah. But... How do you think Lamb fits into the Cowboys offense? Well, I think there's an illusion that the Cowboys are that they like no holes in their roster, so that like taking a receiver is a luxury pick. I think there are a lot more holes than people realize. And I didn't really actually like the CD Lamb pick because they have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup already. And because of that, I don't see a year one impact, major impact for CD Lamb. I think he he'll have those weeks where he is the featured role in the offense. But I don't think Dak Prescott can sustain three top receivers. And Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper are both proven top targets. So I don't know where C.D. Lamb fits into the whole offense. And you have to add in the offensive line is weaker. They're getting older. And I think Travis Frederick retired. So there, he did. Th- there are holes in the offense that uh, could hold the team back. One more note is that the defense is going to be a lot worse this year. They lost a lot of players. So... They could be a much more pass-heavy team this year than last year, which could help a guy like CeeDee Lamb. The one thing I will say is, I don't know about you, but I was very excited for Michael Gallup's um, value this season. He was going around the seventh round, and he was only 10 targets behind Amari Cooper last year. And he played 14 games. So Gallup was as high as a running back one, I mean a wide receiver one option on the Cowboys. And I thought he would have a huge season. 
CD Lamb coming in really does take a lot away from or a lot of targets away from Gallup, so that's a big disappointment for me. Yeah, I was really excited about Gallup as well. So I was when they drafted CD Lamb, I was less excited for the Cowboys and more feeling bad for Michael Gallup. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles guy, Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager is an exciting player. I don't know what the Eagles target share is gonna look like on their offense. We know they have Zach Ertz who's going to be a target monster if he stays healthy. Dallas Goddard's going to have his role. You know, Carson Wentz loves the tight ends. Deshaun Jackson should be healthy this year. He missed 14 games last year. And I think Alshon Jeffrey is on the team, but it's hard to know if they are going to I think he's going to start the season hurt, or on the IR. He's starting on the pup. I don't know if he's going to come back and be the same guy or if they're going to try to trade him. I don't really project him to have a major role in this year's offense especially with the locker room issues I've been hearing about with Jeffrey. So if Rager's able to be the top receiver or even the 1A for Deshaun Jackson or what 1B, I think he can have quite a bit of value. But it's hard to know what that offense is going to look like. You know, Miles Sanders is going to have a lot of role in the passing game as well as the run game. So if I guess as a drafter, if you believe in the talent of Jalen Rager, then draft him. And if you don't, then don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really see him getting many snaps. I think Jeffrey will be out for a few games, but I do see him returning pretty quickly. And I think Rager's, at least for this season, really going to try and learn behind Deshaun Jackson. I mean, the Eagles' targets did deal with a lot of injuries last season, and that's definitely in the cards because they're just getting older. Um, Jeffrey and Jackson, I mean. Yeah. But if they are healthy for the whole year, I don't see Rager getting more than... 50 targets I don't I mean that's even a high mark in my opinion yeah I will say even if he doesn't get a whole lot of targets his targets should be pretty high value but even still he's gonna need quite a bit of targets in order to be a relevant receiver and I'm not targeting him in any drafts at this point he's more of a waiver wire kind of guy I agree with that okay um let's move on to Justin Jefferson the Vikings receiver yeah Jefferson is my favorite of all the rookie receivers this year for fantasy I think his opportunity is higher than anyone else and the concern is that the vikings are a run heavy offense but what we've seen in previous years is that they like to have two receivers and for i think the past four or five years it's been Diggs and thielen and they've been getting almost all the targets in the passing game except for like a few to kyle rudolph and with Diggs being gone this offseason and then vikings spending a number one pick on justin jefferson I'm not sure if he's Stephon Diggs yet. I don't think he is, but he's going to be in that role. I think he's much better than Ola B.C. Johnson. And yeah. if Je- if Jefferson's able to be that, that second wide receiver in the Vikings offense, that has a tremendous amount of potential. I think Jefferson's great for Dynasty Leagues. I mean, Thielen is aging out, and he's in there to replace Diggs. I don't know if he has a lot of value in redrafts this season just because he's a rookie, but I think in two or three years, he could be the number one wide receiver on this offense. Yeah. I think drafting rookie receivers is a little bit risky this year just because the offseason is a lot different. And so the time for learning is going to be cut short and you don't really know if they're, if they're going to be ready. Yeah. Okay, so the next guy is Brandon Ayuk, who was drafted 26th overall by the 49ers. And all I know about Ayuk is that he completely destroyed dynamo lenore for the ducks um and cost us a uh, spot in the cfe playoff so 
yeah, he fuck you, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he's a blazer for sure. He's got tremendous speed. His forty time didn't show that, but when you watch him on tape, you can see the speed. And we know that Kyle Shanahan absolutely loves him. I've watched some interviews with John Lynch and Shanahan, and I think Shanahan had him as the number one receiver on his board. And so he obviously likes him. That doesn't mean he's going to be good in year one. I think he's a tremendous player, but they still have Debo Samuel. They still have George Kittle. They bring back Jalen Hurd. And so... I just, and especially in a run-heavy offense, I don't see the year one impact for Ayuk. But in a dynasty leagues, he he could be Shanahan's pet in the future, and he could be a tremendous value. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit last episode on how Debo Samuel might miss a few games. And I think um, in FanDuel and DraftKings, Ayuk actually could have some value. I mean, they start off this season on a very easy schedule. They play home against the Cardinals in New York against the Jets, and then in New York against the Giants. Those are three easy yeah. matchups to start the year. Very easy. And if Samuel does miss a few, a few games, IU could have some value in those games. Assuming they don't run the ball every single play and throw the ball eight times. times. <laughs> True. And also, they have guys like Kittle who will have who will have monster target numbers. I think a, a few other players will step up. Kendrick Bourne, maybe Dante Pettis has a resurgence in the first few weeks. Yeah, maybe he gets but, cut, too. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, but it's it's really difficult to project this 49ers offense right now, and I don't think Ayuk is value in, uh, valuable in drafts. Yeah, and you can get him on waivers, too. I don't think he's going to be drafted in many leagues at all. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay, so let's move on to the Bengals guy. He was the first pick in the second round, T. Higgins. How do you view Higgins? I like him as a player. He honestly projects to be kind of like an A.J. Green, which is ironic because that's his teammate now. Uh, he's... Should be a red zone target. He's a big body. Kind of reminds me of Mike Williams for the Chargers. If the Bengals were to trade A.J. Green at some point in the year or if Green gets hurt, he has a chance. He will get hurt. Probably. He has a a chance to emerge as a top guy. They still have Tyler Boyd. They still have John Ross, who is a perpetual 20 catches for a million yards. (laughs) You're not worried about John Ross's volume. So I think... If Burrow is what a lot of people think he could be, I think he can sustain two receivers. And I think if Green gets hurt, those guys are going to be Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. But if Green's healthy, I think it's Green and Boyd, and Higgins is the odd man out, at least in year one. Yeah, I know uh, this is the rookie show, but can we touch on Tyler Boyd for a second? I feel like Boyd doesn't have a lot of upside ever, but the past two seasons he's been great for fantasy, and quietly great. Yeah. Um, He's always helped fantasy teams out. I don't know if you can trust him with uh, Burrow as much this season just because he's a rookie. I expect Burrow to start the season. I don't think they'll start Ryan Finley or anybody else. But um, it could take him some time to really acclimate to the offense. And I don't know if I trust Boyd right off the bat, but I feel like whenever I say that, he always has a good start to the fantasy season. Yeah, I think the the start is likely going to be shaky for the entire Bengals offense. So... Maybe the entire offense could be by low candidates come week three, week four, except for Joe, yeah. Mi- except for Joe Mixon, who's going to be a top pick. Uh, but I, I like Boyd. He's a great player. He's taller than most people think. He has a pretty big catch radius, and he seems to be a reception monster year after year, despite the fact that the quarterback play has been suboptimal in Cincinnati for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's just trust. It's hard to trust Boyd because you don't love to play wide receivers on bad teams with 
uh, quarterbacks that you don't know a lot about, but he does always have value. So maybe it's time we just start trusting him for the good receiver that he is. Yeah, the later he goes, the more valuable he becomes. Yeah. Okay, so the last guy we're going to touch on today is Michael Pittman of the Indianapolis Colts. I know we both think that he's going to be a great a star in the NFL in years to come, but how do you view his fantasy value right now? Yeah, I think this year he mostly provides touchdown upside. He'll be good in daily fantasy, DraftKings, FanDuel. But for season long, it's going to take injuries to a guy like T.Y. Hilton or maybe even... Funches. Yeah, Dem- no, not Funches. Uh, Paris Campbell, maybe. Yeah. Paris Campbell's kind of exciting. He's almost like a rookie this year. You can touch on him because he didn't play at all last year. Paris Campbell was a second-round pick last year. He was the fastest player in the draft, blazing speed. Um, so the notion that Pittman slots in immediately as the wide receiver one in Indianapolis, I think is not, doesn't have much ground. Uh, Hilton is 31 years old. He's on the decline. I think he said this is his last year. So in future years, Pittman's going to be a great value as soon as next. I actually did not know that Hilton said that. And, Pittman, if that's true, Pittman has a lot of value in um, the Dynasty Leagues for sure. Yeah. I mean, he has, even if he might, might not be the one this year, he has the build, he has the skills to be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. And, I mean, with this this season with Phillip Rivers and with the way the Colts like to run the ball, I think Pittman's role in the offense is really like a guy who's there to run deep routes and open up the playbook so that the defenses have to worry about him yeah. because he is talented. I don't see him having a lot of catches or a lot of targets, but I think his role is still very vital to the Colts offense. Yeah. Hillen is not a high volume receiver. One correction is that he didn't say it's his last year, but he said the next contract he gets will be his last contract. And it'll probably be like a one or two year contract, I think. So Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens in Indianapolis in the next few years with Pittman and Jonathan Taylor as we touched on before. And we'll see who becomes the quarterback if Phillip Rivers uh, is done after this year yeah that's true too all right well thank you all for listening to our second podcast i hope you can tune into future episodes of the semi-pro fantasy show please feel free to check out other podcasts on semi-pro such as garbage time and the art of the culture and check out our youtube videos and articles that are being posted daily see ya